Five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Tyler Cash here with Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast. I'm here with my buddy, Tommy Goff. How you doing, bud? Uh, Still trying to wrap my mind around the whole fucking free agency frenzy, crazy, uh, free agency frenzy going on. Shows you where my mind's at. Dude, my I'm fried. I'm legit fried. This is the first free ag- agency day that we've had with July 1st with this podcast running the website. And it's... uh. I didn't anticipate it to be this intense, to be honest with you, because you go through the regular season, especially with trade deadline, and you have all these rumors flying and you have all these deals being made. But, man, it's definitely not near as intense as this is what's going on right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, just keeping an eye on free agency the last few years and whatnot, just actually sort of diving into it more the last few years than I have in the past, it's it's it always is nuts on July 1st because all these deals are sort of formed before the actual official, you know, noon Eastern time of July 1st when free agency opens. They're generally all pretty much formalized beforehand because they have that little period where uh, unrestricted free agents can go and talk to whatever team they really want to. And what I find interesting is I guess technically they can't talk specific. So I wonder if the negotiations go like, well, I'm thinking of a number between 1.4 and 1.6 million in a term of between two and four years. Does that sound good to you? You know what I mean? Right. Just go to read right. between yeah, the line I mean, type stuff. Numbers are definitely they're man, they're all blurring together and, and, and teams and players are trying to reach these negotiations and it's like it's obviously chaotic as hell, but you, you have all these meetings between players. I mean, especially with all these stories that we were hearing with Panarin, um, which we'll obviously get to. Man, it's going to be really hard to break everything down. There's so much uh, information to uh, digest right now. And even as we're recording this podcast, you know, we're getting the updates constantly. Like, this day is not over. Um, and uh, it's, as you said, before we even started uh, recording this podcast, it's probably going to have to be a two-parter. So we'll probably have to get together and uh, chat about, you know, the remainder of the day here tomorrow or, you know, the next day, something like that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's probably going to have to happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to start with the trades that led up to the deadline. Um, We're going to touch base on everything briefly. We might jump down some rabbit holes on some situations that we think are a little bit more entertaining than others uh stuff that we you know have some more to chime in on but we're going to try our best to to cover as many bases as we possibly can um and not just spend you know time on one particular team on one particular player uh so yeah do you want to go ahead and get us started with uh bringing us up to date here on, on what we've been dealing with with these trades yeah i mean just get the ball rolling on i guess some more big news stuff as opposed to just hey here's a trade let's talk about it um basically start things off. Phil Kessel got traded to the Coyotes. It's one of those things where rumors were out there for quite a bit that 
you know, not only just this year, but in the past, it's somewhere that he's wanted to go, um, especially with the co- coach there, uh, Tockett. He's worked with him in the past and had a good relationship with him. So it's kind of a no brainer for him to go there. It's just a matter of, I guess, the Penguins getting some sort of return that they're okay with. Um, they ended up getting Galchenyuk, who's another winger. So it's basically a right winger for right winger. What that does for the Penguins is it frees up basically a couple million in cap space for this year, but then they're also out from his contract after the end of this year, as opposed to being on the hook for almost seven million for Phil Kessel for three more years, or excuse me, two more years after this upcoming year. But uh, yeah, it just gives it a little more flexibility, a little more room. They get at least some return for him, and they can sort of move on from the whole Phil Kessel saga, and I guess get some better overall even strength players that they're looking for, as opposed to a guy who's just producing on the power play. So. Right, and Phil Kessel's obviously getting a golden opportunity to go to a team that could use his surfaces. Surfaces, wow. Look at that, dude. My brain is fried. <laughs> uh, going to a team that he could use, that they could use his services, and he could play more of a, an important role. Um, because Phil is, you know, obviously shown that he's capable of being a tox, top six guy. And, uh, you know, what was he? He was playing third line minutes. Yeah. Um, which, you know, he wasn't able to, to really flourish in Pittsburgh uh, with all the talent that he has. And I mean, he's not getting any younger, right? So exactly. he, he needs to go somewhere to a franchise that's going to, you know, really use what he has to offer. And uh, Arizona is a perfect young team for him. And I know that yeah, there was talks of him being moved for some time. Now they've been trying to move Phil, you know, to several teams. I know early last week there was like a trade that was trying to go through and he like waved it off like he wasn't allowing it. So clearly he had uh, interest in going to Arizona. I know I heard some rumors last year that he wanted to go there and uh, play for their coach because he's had a, he had a history with him from the Penguins. So sounds like a win-win for both the player and the team. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he basically ends up being, you know, even though he's only making 6.8 mil, He's basically instantly becomes the second highest paid on the Coyotes. And I would say easily out of all the wingers they have, maybe outside of Clayton Keller, but he's still super young as far as the most talented wingers on their team. So he's going to get top line minutes. He's going to get top power play unit time most likely. And, you know, actually have that chance to prove himself again that he doesn't just produce on special teams. We can actually do it at even strength still. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, so moving on, what else we got? Yes, another one was, I guess, sticking with Arizona, uh, the trade they made with Colorado. They got Carl Soderberg for Kevin Kanachuan and a third-round pick going back to Colorado as well. That just more of a, I think, more of just a cap-shed move there for the the, uh, Avalanche at that point. Reason being, it allows them to them to have potentially gone after some big names in free agency, which I guess they really haven't gotten. Um, but that's something we can sort of touch on more as, as time goes on here. And the Coyotes again, get some more veteran presence. It's basically a last year deal for Carl Soderberg, a little more veteran presence guys, 33, another winger for basically the Coyotes at that point. And that's really all that there is to it in my eyes. And then on the flip side of things, I guess the, uh, the avalanche, they get a, they get a younger guy in Kanachuan. Um It's a lefty guy. I mean, other than that, that's really all there is to it. There's really not a whole lot more to say other than basically winger for a D-man and Colorado saving a good chunk, a little bit over, I think, $3 million, I say, on salary there. So, Right, and the whole salary cap situation was something I don't think that we had any more information on with the last podcast. 
but I know teams were anticipating uh, at least 83.5 million, I thought was the projected yeah. salary cap. And then, and then we were getting words that it was going to jump down a million. And then finally they went with 81.5 and you could tell that there's a lot of teams that were hurting from that and, uh, and scared um, the sharks being one of them, obviously signing that, that big long-term high money deal with uh, Carlson and, you know, the Knights being another one who was, over the cap already um, to begin with. And so they had to shed some salary and they went on to do that um, by getting rid of uh, Colin Miller and Eric Halla. So uh, let's talk a little bit about those trades. Yeah. So then Miller went to Buffalo. Um, basically they gave up a second round pick in 2022 or sorry, second round pick in 2021 and a second round or a fifth round pick in 2022. Um, so, I mean, it's again, just basically shedding salary. Miller's a solid D man. They got some, Solid, potential solid prospects here in the upcoming draft in uh, the next couple of years for them. And with the cap being where it's at, they kind of, everyone sort of knew Vegas had to make some sort of move to basically just shed some space. And that's really what this was about. I mean, it, it stings, but for them, I feel like, but it, it's something you kind of had to do. Well, they have a bunch of young defensemen that weren't going to break the lineup. And I think that moving Colin Miller was a key into bringing some of these younger guys up early in the season, uh, coming into their third season, um, you know, such as uh, what White Cloud, uh, Bischoff. There, there, there's a bunch of these kids that can, they can. We got to see what they're capable of doing. If they're going to be NHL players, or if they're not, like, it's good to find out early in the season before you're getting around to you know making a run for the playoffs and and all that great stuff. Um, Colin Miller. I didn't anticipate to get such a good turnaround for him. Uh, you know, a second round pick is, is pretty legit. Uh, you know, ultimately there was some weird chemistry or should I say lack thereof between Colin Miller and uh, coach Gallant. Uh, there were multiple occasions, including in the postseason, where Colin Miller was just like a healthy scratch. And when asked about it, the, the team would would kind of weirdly address it in a sense that they were saying that he wasn't like mentally there, like wasn't prepared for the game or he just wasn't cooperating. It was very strange. There had to be something going on behind the scenes for that. So, I mean, that's obviously not a healthy relationship to have between the player and the coaching staff sure. to begin with. So moving Colin was, was, you know, the right move. The one that really stings for me is, uh, you know, is Hala who, you know, his that first season, he had 29 goals, I believe, somewhere around there, the 30 goal mark and just really shined. Um, you know, he did get injured early on in the second season that he was on the Knights uh, in, you know, we obviously never saw him properly heal and come back to the team. But I mean, he was definitely a big part of that team's inaugural season. And, uh, you know, that one stung a little bit to leave. But I mean, I, I don't know. What do they get in return for that? Yeah, I mean, real quick, yeah, the Miller trade, I feel like the reason they got so much, the, the solid return they did is Miller signed for three total years here as opposed to Hala here. He basically, you guys got a AHL prospect for him and then a conditional fifth-round pick, basically, that says if either Carolina keeps him or they trade him for some sort of player or pick, 
then you give up. Then basically Carolina gives up an additional fifth round pick to Vegas. If they end up just keeping them on the roster and re-signing them after this year, then Vegas just basically gets that prospect. Uh, I believe it's Nick- Nicholas, Nicholas Wah, I believe is who they got for him, or Nicholas Roy. I don't know if he's French-Canadian or not, so I'm guessing there. But uh, yeah. It's actually, it's actually Roy. Okay. I know that because – they were addressing it in the media. What was it? Wall, you know, like Patrick Wall. Right. But yeah, he it is it is Roy for whatever odd reason. That's strange. okay. Fair enough. So yeah, I mean that's that's sort of <laughs> that's sort of what they got for him there. It's basically a prospect and a pick, or just a prospect depending on what Carolina does. Right, right, and uh, so yeah, moving on. Uh, do we got any? We got, we have some more trades here to talk about, right? We got what, yeah. What's this? Uh, what's I mean, the, the the interesting one that sort of catch, catches my eye, besides the the big one, which we'll get to here in a bit, with the Zaitsev trade between Ottawa and Toronto, um, the Andre Burakovsky trade going to Colorado from Washington. That was something where. I feel like Washington necessarily didn't want to make that trade, but at the same time, it was one of those things where they kind of had to move somebody because um, they probably weren't going to be able to, to re-sign him. I mean, at this point, I think Burakovsky is still a restricted free agent. He hasn't signed yet with the Avalanche, so if they retain his rights. So, I mean, they got a second round, second and third round pick for him in next year's draft and a prospect, so... I think it just kind of came down to, to sheer numbers. I mean, the Capitals just looking at them right now with Burkowski even out of the picture, they have a little bit over 4 million in cap space and they still have what three restricted free agents to sign at this point. So it was just a numbers thing. I feel like at that point and just had to get some return for him. And again, as we mentioned earlier, the cap being an 81 and a half as opposed to, you know, 82 or 83 and a half makes a, makes you have to make some necessity trades here. Right. Right. And as I mentioned before, with that salary cap not going up near as much as what they were thinking, I mean, a lot of teams are are making some moves just based off of the idea of clearing some space and then you know doing what they can to move forward. Um, so let's you know let's talk a little bit about that Carolina trade um, because you know you and I have mentioned uh, before previously in the podcast about Scott Darling, um, which is kind of sad to hear about um, because he had taken an indefinite leave of absence from hockey, um, you know, just because he's been dealing with depression and alcoholism. And uh, it, it looks like he might be, uh, he was moved and it looks like he might be getting bought out. Is that, is that correct? Do you think? I don't think he's getting bought out. The The buyout deadline, I think actually passed here. I think it was at midnight or something like that of July 1st. But I, I think it's a situation where I'm assuming there's a pretty solid understanding where, Scott Darling probably isn't coming back to hockey, you know, anytime soon, if at all. So it's basically a situation where, okay, if we're going to get Bobrovsky in Florida, which again, we'll get to, and they did um, at that point, we don't need this guy who's basically making almost 4 million a year in Reimer. So let's trade him and take on somebody where his basically salary won't really affect our, our cap in the long run once the season starts. Right, right. So he's going to be placed on the long term IR, um, and you know, kind of just yeah, that'd be my out, face out, yeah. Um, so yeah, what else do we have uh, leading up to uh, the deadline? Uh, I mean, the other thing is kind of interesting. Trade was uh, I don't know if you know the whole story about it, but uh, Buffalo got Jimmy Vetsy from the Rangers for a third round pick in twenty twenty one draft. Uh, it's actually funny because I think. If I remember correctly, the uh, 
what should we call it? The Rangers signed him, I think, out of college. So he was technically like an unrestricted free agent when he signed. And the Sabres made a super, super, super hard push for him. But he basically said, no, I don't want to play in Buffalo. I'm not playing in Buffalo. Sucks. Um, Because he basically, yeah, he signed back in 2012 with Nashville. He just played his time out in college. And in doing so, he became basically an unrestricted free agent to sign where he wanted because his rights with Nashville expired. So he signed a two-year deal. Or no, he signed, yeah, he signed a two-year deal with the Rangers. And then this being the second year going into this season, um, even after basically saying he's not going to play with Buffalo, he ends up getting traded to Buffalo. So Buffalo basically said, okay, well, if you don't want to sign here, we're going to literally force you to come to our team. So that's literally what happened. So it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how he reacts to that, I guess. So wait, is he going to play? Like, is he going to play for the team? I mean, he's owed 2.35 million. So, I mean, it'd be stupid for him to pass that up. Kids 26. It's, it's a one year deal. So, I don't see why he wouldn't, you know, it's just a situation where he's probably just like, oh, great, I got to deal with this shit for a year and then move on. Because, I mean, he'll be an unrestricted free agent again after this year. But also flip side of it is he kind of needs to prove himself so yet he can produce. So otherwise, he's not going to get paid uh, moving forward. So Right. Well, you know, one thing I didn't that I'm not seeing here in our notes that we should probably talk about, too, is obviously the Marlowe uh, deal where, uh, yeah. you know, he went to Carolina. And with every intent of Carolina trying to convince him to play, and he was just like, nah. So he was bought out of his contract. Um, has he has he surfaced anywhere yet? Because I know he wanted to go. I know he wanted to go play for the Sharks. I guess to you know to finish out his career there in San Jose. Um, but has there been any sort of progress on where he's going to end up? I haven't heard a thing. I think it's a situation where I mean. I think it's a situation where he's going to play for the Sharks or he's not going to play at all, similar to the whole Thornton situation, in all honesty. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, if everyone doesn't know for whatever reason, if you're just not, you know, keep up on the on the trades and free agency stuff like we do, uh, Marlowe got traded to the Hurricanes in exchange for a first, basically a first-round pick and a seventh-round pick. Um, so, basically, the idea was for... Carolina would love to have him on their team, try to convince him to play. He basically was like, no, I don't want to play in Carolina. I'm assuming it's family reasons. So basically the idea is for that first round pick there is for them to buy him out. Um, that's sort of the compensation for them to take on the cap hit from Toronto. And then that then would allow him to, I'm assuming what will happen is once the Sharks get everything sort of squared away with their RFAs and what they're going to do with their team, they'll sort of circle back to Marlowe and figure out a way to get him signed. But uh, that's sort of my assumptions there. So you think that there's still a possibility that he goes and plays for San Jose? I don't. I don't really see any other option, in my opinion, for what he wants to do. And you know, the the, the relationships that he have there has there as well, and the, the history. It's it's hard to, to not see that happen. Right. Well, I mean, he be. I I would assume he'd be taking, you know, quite the friendly deal because the Sharks are definitely pretty much their noses are at the cap, you oh, know, even as, and, as we're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and that's, and that's the beauty of it is with him getting uh, bought out. I believe he retains two thirds of his contract, something like that from the buyout. So, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, he was basically set to make, just looking up real quick, basically 6.25 million. So, I mean, at, at that point, if he's keeping, you know, four and a half million dollars and he's playing on a league minimum contract for them, he's still making five million. You know, I don't think he's going to necessarily scoff at that, especially, you know, being basically 39, 40. Yeah, basically going to be 40 years old for the season starts. So, yeah, very, very, very sneaky 
sneaky, sneaky scenario there. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. So what else do we have? Do we have anything else to talk about with trades before we really get into uh, the signings? Yeah, I mean, the only other one that was uh, that's sort of interesting is basically the Leafs. They've been the rumor is they've been trying to sort of move him for a while. Is that Nikita Zaitsev, the defenseman that they have, they sort of signed to a, an interesting deal there. Um, he hasn't really lived up to his contract expectations. He's basically signed to they, they signed him to I think it was a seven year deal at four and a half million when he was 24, 25 years old. He's, he's a defenseman from Russia and he's just not been great. So they basically are looking. They basically were looking for some way to get out from under that contract, and they basically ended up going. He ended up going to Ottawa, and basically, in all honesty, the Leafs got back sort of peanuts besides a third round pick for him, and and also gave up Connor Brown, which is kind of interesting too. Who's a young guy who's actually not a terrible player for the Leafs, just there's really not a whole lot of room for him on the top six for him to actually show up offensively. So, uh. Well, I and I would imagine that their main focus right now is uh, is getting Marner exactly, like, you know, locked, and, the, locked and that's the idea behind it too. Is they cleared up almost six million in, in salary there, and then factor in the Marlowe situation, they basically cleared off about I want to say about twelve million in those three people alone. So, I mean, even with that, they're in a, they're in a crunch. But we'll see what happens with Marner because if Marner obviously gets signed, they're going to have to figure out someone else to move as well. Right, dude. You know, I'm just looking over our notes again. Where you know we actually missed pro- possibly the biggest trade that happened. I mean, we can't not talk about PK Subban. True. Uh, finally, finally moving that that giant swinging dick of a contract that he had for uh you know the nashville predators what was that nine million was he making nine mil something like yeah. that for like the next eight, eight, eight for eight years 72 million was his contract when he originally signed i think he still has four or five years left on that something like that. yeah he still has a good chunk of time left three, on that three contract years, yeah. um and he was sent off to the new jersey devils uh and and pretty much we could all see that the, it was mainly to make room for Duchesne, yep. who was going to come over, and they they wound up announcing that signing today, which we'll get to more of. But I mean, that's pretty wild. I mean, that's a big move. I mean, no salary retained on uh, you know Nashville's, and so that's it's kind of a good move for them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to to see that. I mean, the the risk obviously goes into it. Where if we trade Subban and we strike out in free agency, for example, of them going after Duchesne, and if he didn't sign there. That uh, would be a really nasty situation for him to be in, but they basically, you know, did what they wanted to do. They moved out their Subban D-man for to improve their top six forwards, and I'm assuming they're fine with that because I got the guy they wanted to go after. So Subban isn't more of an offensive-minded D-man, anyways, and I mean, and he clearly overpaid. I mean, they don't really need that, you know, especially if they're going to have Duchesne come in and kind of like improve you know, their forwards, you know, and what they can produce as far as going through that. I mean, they're not, they're not a bad looking team with these moves. No. And I mean, the interesting thing is, I mean, the other thing that's sort of, it's never really been a whole lot discussed on it just because, you know, in interviews and, you know, off the ice, PK Subban, he seems to be a great guy. He has a great personality. You can't really say anything about him bad about him there, but I mean, it's kind of interesting that a guy you sign long-term to a $9 million deal to sort of be, 
kind of, you know, a cornerstone player for your franchise, yet you don't even really slap an A on him. Um, also, obviously, had his embellishment stuff that, you know, everyone seems to be pretty aware of. Um, makes, makes you wonder. Yeah, it's been known that he's kind of a locker room problem, you know, yeah. that, you know, and you could tell with somebody that has an ego that big, it sometimes can be hard to work with. Um, you know, he probably wasn't the, the best team player, which is why we never saw him, you know, with that A on his chest. Um, and, you know, it's just it's the right thing to move on. Maybe, you know, maybe a change of uh, scenery will do him good. Uh, he's obviously not like he's going to a shitty team. I mean, the New Jersey Devils are actually looking pretty, pretty tough these days. Um, you know, they obviously acquired him. Uh, they were the, you know, they got that first draft pick in Hughes. Um, they got, they assigned Wayne Simmons today too. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Which I think I'm going to tell you right now. I think that 5 million is a bit much for him too. Um, one year deal. I mean, it's, it's not the end of the world for them. Right. If they have it, they have it right. I guess. You yeah. Might as well use it if you have it. Um, didn't they get somebody else too? There was a move that they did before Wayne Simmons. I, I can't remember it, but it was like, I mean, for that, for a good couple of days, like the devils were just all over Twitter. I mean, I don't think it did anything significant outside of those players, to be honest with you. But I mean, to go from a team that's a bottom five team to, you know, basically getting, uh, did they get, they got Hughes? No. Yeah. They got Hughes. Yeah. So getting yes, Hughes, they got and Hughes and Subban and Wayne Simmons all within, you know, a, a week of each other. That's, uh, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to just say, oh, they're going to be an okay team. I mean, they'll probably compete for a wild card spot. I would say at the very least. Right. No, it's it's definitely a good week to be a Devils fan. And I think maybe what I was thinking of is the fact that it, it, Taylor Hall is he, he could he be coming up on his contract? Like, is he due up here soon? Because like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think yeah, this is last year, and I mean, he's going to get last paid year. Huge. And I I know that they this is the first time that I can remember in recent memory where a club has gone on record saying that they like, like discussed the signing of PK Subban with Taylor Hall. Like they like wanted to make sure that they got his blessing kind of thing. Like that they wanted him stoked on the move. Oh yeah. Um, Cause they want to keep him happy. Obviously they want him to resign. Hopefully, you know, they can become a tighter organization that can make a deeper run, you know, in the regular season, you know, into the postseason. Uh, and you know they can keep him because obviously that's going to be a big paycheck that he's going to be due up for as long as he can, as long as he can stay healthy. Of course, I mean that might reflect on what he makes. Oh yeah, absolutely, no doubt there. And I mean, yeah, I mean what moving on from there. I mean, do we want to start with the big name stuff in free agency and and go from there? How do we? How do we? How do we want to go from that? Go for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the big names is is probably probably the best way to go. I mean, we can also, I mean, we can kind of go go down the list, you know, right on the on this. Uh, wait, why did, did this just pop up? I thought I just saw. Hmm. Okay, yeah, no that that was weird. We're here, obviously, looking at cap friendly to make sure that we're checking over all of our stats. And I thought I just saw Aho's name. I mean, I, I mean, I thought I just saw it and it just disappeared. His situation is obviously delicate because the Canadians made uh, submitted a trade offer uh, sheet for offer him sheet, yeah, and offer sheet, yeah. Um, which means that, like, basically, they're gonna propose an offer for a restricted free agent, and the team has the opportunity to match that or 
the Canadians have to give up draft picks, something Correct. along those lines. I've never, I've never seen this happen. Um, it's obviously something that uh, I'm learning about each each time because it's not, it's not, a, it's not an often occurrence. At least I, it doesn't feel like it is, right? I mean, is, this isn't something that happens every day. Oh no, it's it's very interesting because offer sheets you end up having to give up a lot to essentially get a lot. And in, in that regard, it's it's one of those things where not only that, you can only the only way to, to basically assign an offer sheet is it has to be your own picks. It can't be picks you've traded for. And we all know how GMs like to throw in a pick here and there or, you know, going on a playoff run. Here's a second round pick or a first round pick for a rental guy, stuff like that. So all those factors sort of add into there's generally not a whole lot of teams that are able to do it or teams that are able to do it. They're like, why are we going to go spend eight, nine, ten million dollars on a guy and burn, you know, a couple first rounders or, you know, three solid picks when we're nowhere close to competing. So it's a rare occurrence. I think the last time, honestly, I remember it happening was um, I think it was the I think it was way back. Last time I can remember, I think it was like 2012, like right before that season started when free agency started uh, Shea Weber was an unrestricted free agent and the flyers went and sent out a massive offer sheet where I think it was, yeah, it was that stupid contract. I think 14 years, 110 million to Shea Weber, but 68 million of it's basically signing bonuses. So like, for example, and I'll get into the Aho thing because it's kind of a similar situation, which is really interesting too, where basically the first few years of that contract He's basically getting like 13 million. He's basically his entire salary basically paid up front the first day of the season. Actually, no, July 1st. So basically, right as free agency starts, he's getting paid like $13 million. So I believe, yeah, so that was like 13 million his first five years, then 8 million in signing bonuses the next two years. So he basically got over half of his contract. Just here's money. And that's that. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and if, and if the Canes weren't such a good team, Last season, I, I mean, it's almost like I said to you, it'd be wild to not take that because in return, they're getting they would get a first, a second and a third round draft pick. Um, and before that, it had fluctuated where they would they could have gotten potentially two firsts, a second and a third. I mean, as a team that's rebuilding, that would be really hard to say no to that, especially like you said, with a a fucking $21 million payday. Yeah. I mean, that's so that's massive. Yeah. So basically the situation with Aho is the kids, the kids freaking 21 years old. And I mean, he's producing, I mean, he put up 30 goals and 53 assists last season. Like that's insane for a 21 year old guy. So, I mean, take all that into consideration and it's, do I want to give up this guy for, a first round pick, a second round pick, and a third round pick, because basically Mark Bergevin and Montreal literally went right to that, you know, top of that offer sheet uh, section where right before he had to give up two first round picks for him. So I don't see how they don't match it, but the tricky thing is, according to what everyone's reporting, is he's going to be making a shit ton of money in his first basically year. Um, I think the report was the first calendar year Ajo is going to be owed over basically $21 million. And granted, that's almost that's essentially two years worth. And the reason that is how it's broken down here on Cat Friendly is year one. It's, it's, it's hilarious if you look at it. Year one, his signing bonus is $11.3 million. And his base salary is league minimum, seven hundred grand, which is just dumb. And then year two, which again would be July first, when the signing bonus is due, he's owed nine point eight million dollars with a base of seven hundred grand. 
So literally 90% of his contract, more than that actually, is paid up front to him every year before he even touches the ice for the season. Considering, wow. yeah. yeah, considering Montreal is a giant hockey mecca market compared to a small market team like Carolina, that kind of puts him, I feel like, in a little bit of a pinch. Where fuck, now we have to pay a shit ton of money up front as opposed to you know over the course of a year for a salary. It's not you know something small like three or four million dollars in the grand scheme of things. We're talking eleven million dollars. So right, and well, and they went on record and they said that I guess they were able to. Are they able to talk? I mean, because they said they had an address to the media where they said that they had offered that to Aho and he wanted to come to Montreal. And yeah, and, so and, like, and that's I, exactly. And that's his decision where he can choose to sign with another team, but then his team being a restricted free agent, they have the ability to say, okay, we're going to pay you that same amount of money in the same exact structure. Right, right. So they posted on Twitter that they they did a poll actually i it's yeah, kind great. of savage it's pretty awesome they said are we going to match that offer and they said yes or we and i and i thought that was great like we like the you know the yep. canadian yeah yeah it was great so the i guess French, yes. they, had, they had every intention of of keeping him there which i thought was uh was a nice little uh, jab at the Canadians with that. Yeah, um, and the, the nice little twist about it is they basically have seven days to say if they're going to match it or not. So basically what that means is, assuming they are going to match it, it basically holds Montreal's cap basically hostage for a week. They can literally go up to like six days, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, say, okay, we're matching it. Or, you know, six days, 23 hours, 59 minutes, and say, yeah, we're matching it. And <laughs> yeah. then from that point, then they can use that other $8.4 million to sign someone else. But then by then, obviously, anyone else they want is going to be gone. So, Right. I saw that. Like, you can just kind of take your sweet-ass time because you were trying to steal our player. Exactly. Kind of, uh, kind of scenario. Dude, uh, the other day, I didn't know anything about this, and I'm assuming you might because you're – you're a st- statistics whore. Uh, this this blew my mind. Uh, do you know? Do you know uh, the goaltender Rick DiPietro? Oh you know yeah, you know uh, Rick Rick DiPietro day. That's always fun. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! I had no idea, and I'm assuming that this is one of the last times they allowed contracts to go this long. I think that was but, right before the lockout. He signed a stupid deal. Yeah, it's insane. Insane, it, it, dude. He so he signed in like oh. 06 yep. for 15, 15 years, $67 million uh, with a base salary of 4.5 million. And he is, he got bought out. So he's like receiving money and you get, for like ever. The funny thing is though, like at that time, uh, I think right before he played, I mean, he's what? Yeah, it was right out. It was actually right after that 04, 05 lockout. Um, I mean, just doing the math really quick. I mean, he was 23, I think, when he signed that. So, like, I mean, he played really well. Yeah, 23, 24. Yeah, he played no, really dude, well for us, dude. and then he just shit the bed, and then he was just injured all the time. Dude, he – no, dude, he – okay, so this is what why I'm bringing this up. This blew my mind. He, he wasn't good. Like, he was never good enough to warrant that long of a contract. Like, if you, if you look at what he did – so like okay, say he signed that contract and it was two thousand 
five. Well, no, no, that's that's, that's what I'm saying is yeah, oh three, oh four. He had like a two point three six GAA, ninety one save percentage, like not terrible numbers. But then the lockout right. happened, and then he goes and plays with Team USA, and you know puts up an insane thing in the World Championships, like one point six GAA, ninety four save percentage. Which I mean, okay. that, that's impressive. I mean, I'm assuming. He's, you know, going back to that point, I'm fucking a teenager at that point, probably just hitting high school. Um, I mean, I'm assuming he's playing against, you know, everyone else who's dealing with lockout and Team Canada, Slovakia, Russia, etc. I'm sure those games that he played were against solid teams. But I mean, at that point, yeah, I mean, he just basically like, yeah, the three years after that, like terrible GAA and then like the next literally like what 08 to 2013 the most games he played in the season was 26 because he was hurt or sucked but then right yeah, right I guess well, I mean, even even the season but even the season before that he won he only won 23 games lost 18 you know yeah. i mean that's it's not he went i mean it's just not it blows my mind and i had i had no idea i'd never heard that story before somebody was talking about it and they were like yeah he's like signed they they worded it wrong they said that the, he was like signed until like 2027 or something and 2029 I was like, no, 2029 but it's not that he's signed it's right it's that he's bought he's bought out he's making 1.5 million dollars and apparently he's like a commentator for for the islanders and i'm like i made the joke that they were like look dude we're paying you like you know do something you know grab a microphone grab a mop you know clean our toilets you know do something because jesus i mean whoever his agent is i mean someone i hope uh, someone got him a gift basket because i mean he got this guy you know 4.5 million dollars for 15 years i'm sorry I, i'm sorry i had to trail off on that because it, it just reminded me just like so much of these long contracts and like just how that can like affect oh, no you know doubt. the cap and, and how that clearly changed you know, the, you know, the future of the salary cap and, you know, in that eight year uh, threshold, because now now players can only sign for a max of eight years. Right? Yeah, the, yeah, that was a huge reason why that that was a huge sticking point. And then with the whole Shea Weber thing, it was a similar situation where he signed that massive contract. And then like his twilight years where he's going to be like 40, he's making like league minimum. So like if he retires when he's making 40, you know, 500, 700 grand at that point, like who cares? You know, we, we took down the, the cap hit by doing this, but they've obviously figured out ways to, to fix that with cap, with SAP, uh, not SAP, cap uh, recapture penalties and things like that. But yeah, Rick, right. DiP- Rick DiPietro, 2013 to 2029, every July 3rd gets paid $1.5 million for doing absolutely nothing sitting on his ass. What That guy's yeah. living the dream incredible incredible and i guess this would this actually could be a good leeway uh into talking about some of these contracts uh that were signed from the free agency uh we could talk about uh goaltenders and uh and being overpaid uh, uh is a good a good leeway uh obviously Bobrovsky announced that he uh is going to go play for the panthers which is something that we we speculated for quite some time with uh, Quinville, you know, taking over head coach. We thought maybe him and Panarin were going to go together. More on Panarin here shortly, but yeah, um, what was it? Seven years and uh, $70 million, $10 million a year for uh, Bobrovsky. Yeah. Uh, putting him, that makes him the second highest paid goaltender currently in the NHL, only under Carey Price. Uh, yep. I mean, that, that's a hefty price tag, in my opinion. 
to say the least. And actually, yeah, to to clarify a quick point, uh, I believe Scott Darwin actually was bought out. Um, he wasn't that going to be put on long term IRS. They did buy him out of his contract. The Panthers did, but um, yeah. So I mean, it's a situation where. They had Reimer as a backup. They did the whole swap with Carolina for Darlene and bought out Darlene. And Luongo was retired. They have no one there. What What do you do? They just brought in uh, Joel Quinville. I mean, what What do you do? I mean, we have to get a goalie in here. We have a bunch of cap space. Why not go after Sergei Bobrovsky, the only really top goaltender on the market? I mean, they kind of had to. Right, right. I mean, they had to, but... Damn, I mean, that's just, that's a hefty price tag. But once again, like we talked about earlier, if you have the cap, I guess, why not spend it? Oh, then the flip side is, too, where Bobrovsky, like, do I really want to go play for Florida? But if this team's offering me $10 million a year and everyone else is offering eight and a half for the same term, you know, that's an extra $10 million in my pocket and I don't have state income tax, why not? And I'm playing for a good coach, why not? Right, right. I mean, obviously, he sees a future there. I know that I saw previously that he, you know, a big part of him was wanting to go to a, a, con- a contending team. I know that that's a common, it's a very, very common thing for a player to say, right? But I'm very, very surprised that Panarin didn't follow him. I know that Panarin met with them and uh, there was rumors that he also met with the Islanders, but then ultimately he signed a, a big, uh, a big contract with uh, the New York Rangers. Yeah, I mean, uh, he signed. It was, I mean, it's not as crazy as they as everyone was sort of saying initially. But um, I guess he got what I think it's seven years, eleven point six per year, which is pretty nuts. I think actually, like, it was like eleven Eastern time uh, last night because I guess the deadline to re-sign with your team is, and you know, get that eighth term year is midnight July first. So there's like a twelve hour gap before you can actually sign somebody and the team, you know, making the offer, you know, with that extra year, apparently Kekalainen, the GM there of the blue jackets, like last minute was like, Hey, we'll give you like 13 million a year for eight years. If you want to stay in Columbus, but you have to sign it right now. And he's just like, nah, I'm good. And that was for Panarin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard that he left money on the table that the Islanders offered him 12.5. So obviously I know a big thing that he wanted was he wanted a big market. So I guess he feels like a big city, New York, you know, the Rangers like long-term, you know, deal was the right way to go for him. So I'm happy for him. I mean, he's a great player. Seems a little on the cocky side, um, but you know, who isn't if you're that talented, I guess at this point in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And being a Blues fan, just hearing the stories of way back in the day where Tarasenko bagged them to go scout Panarin, and they basically were like, oh, he's too small. He's never going to make the NHL. And here he is, making $11.6 and we missed out on him. Right, right. Well, I know he's good buds with Tarasenko, but he pretty much shot down that possibility really quick. Uh, I mean, obviously, this was prior to the blues winning the cup and, you know, having that amazing season. But I remember early, he, he said he had no interest in coming to St. Louis. Um, he just, he didn't see it as being a big enough market. I don't, I don't know. I wonder if his, uh, I wonder if his outlook changed at all with that well, run. But was- yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we're talking, you know, five years ago at this point when Tarasenko's young on the team, really telling him to go look at this guy. And he basically came over from Russia and, no one, the Blues are just thought he was, no, he's 
five foot eleven, weighs one hundred seventy pounds. Like, no, we're good. And then now he's putting up seventy five points pretty much in every season, if not more. He's played, and he is getting paid to do that now with the Rangers. So good for him. Right, absolutely. So uh, who else do we got here? Let's keep rolling down the list of these, uh, you know, these big signings. Yeah, I mean, from there, I guess another big one, I guess we sort of touched on a little bit was the the pan not the Panthers, the uh, Predators shipping out Subban and bringing in Matt Duchesne. Seriously, going to be their second line or their I'm assuming their second line center um, at that point because they're probably not going to break up their their top line with with Johansson there. Um, but yeah, seven years, eight million a year, and yeah, I mean down the middle, Nashville pretty deep. It's it's hard to really have a you know looking at the top three centers in each team it's really hard to rival what they have there between Johansson between Duchesne and Kyle Turris so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they actually be able to keep all those guys but uh yeah we'll see because I mean they basically have 22 million committed to three centers which is kind of a lot of money right right and they're uh you know they're a scary team and they obviously Last season locked in uh, Rene for a few more years, um, and then they have that that really reliable backup. Uh, who wh- who who's that guy's? What's his name again? You see Soros. Yeah, Soros, and uh, so they're pretty um, they're pretty scary. They're a pretty scary team for sure. Uh, I think it was the right move, bringing in some more offense and and, and dumping that that contract for sure. Um, yeah, uh, and then uh, we I know we've. Obviously, we've been trying to do our best to to not only cover the Blues, but I mean, it it doesn't hurt to bring up some of these uh some of these signings because there's been quite a few today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Nashville's going to be interesting to see just with them. I mean, they're a team where they now have more offensive firepower, but I feel like they're a little more weaker on the back ends now. But they're also going to have to see if if Rene being 36 now is going to actually be able to to keep up what he's able to do. So. Um, yeah, moving on from there, I think the most kind of puzzling signing in my head was the signing for the Penguins uh, and getting Brandon Tanev from the Jets, who was there for a bit, six years at three and a half million for a bottom six guy. And I don't really understand it. He doesn't do anything offensively. <laughs> if you know anything about him, I don't know, but he's just he's not an offensive guy. So it's like. You just signed a guy who can pop maybe ten or fifteen goals to kill penalties for you, and that's really about it. It's well, is he like weird. a tough guy? Is he more of a like an enforcer role? Maybe they think no, that not they at need all. that. No, uh, uh-uh. he's literally just more of like a defensive winger. And I guess Rutherford, the GM there in Pittsburgh, is more about hey, let's bring down the value and sign you long term, and you know, bring down the cap hit because I'm probably not going to be here in six years. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of analytics guys and stuff basically saying that he's flat out like an offensive black hole. Like, that's what he does. Like, he can check well, he can grind, he can kill penalties, but for that much money and for that long, it's just kind of weird, especially when you traded Kessel to make room. I, I don't get it, but I guess whatever. We'll see if it works. I don't know. Well, I don't think the Kessel trade was necessarily to make room. I mean, that's obviously a benefit of it, but it was more so that they had this like guy on their team that they couldn't utilize. So it, it, he was he was taking up cap space because they didn't really need him for what he does. 
You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the, he needed to go somewhere else regardless. And it, that's, that's a trade that we've been, you know, hearing about for many years. Definitely. Um, I mean, so yeah. we can kind of move it on from there. I mean, we can sort of knock out two birds with one stone. Uh, the stars, um, they got Pavelski from free agency from the sharks. And then also after the ducks bought out uh, Corey Perry, he also landed in, uh, in Dallas as well. Um, so both of those are kind of, Kind of interesting because I think Pavelski is more there now to basically I want to go to a team to win a cup. I'm in my you know mid thirties. Let's see what happened. And Corey Perry is there to prove that he can still play. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean they're both obviously seasoned, <laughs> seasoned dudes. Yeah. You know, you know maybe fair to say past their prime. I know Corey Perry is obviously more of a question mark than Pavelski because Pavelski was still showing up last season. Um, Corey Perry has been one of those players that is injury prone and, and just, you know, has basically been going downhill. I know it was very hard for the ducks to let go of him. Uh, yep. And, you know, many people are already talking about how there's no contest that they'll retire his number in Anaheim and, you know, he did so much for the organization. So I know it was hard for them to let it go. Um, but, you know, he wasn't quite ready to retire. So, yeah. I mean, it's a, that's a win-win for both the player and the team once again. Um, Pavelski, I think that that's, to be honest with you, I just think that that's poor management on the Sharks side of things because yeah. he, was, he was such a big entity on that team. He was one of the only players on that team. I'm not the biggest fan of the Sharks uh, for the record, uh, but he was one of the only guys on that team that I truly respected. Um, and man, like what a captain, you know, I mean, he's just a good player, well-rounded, you know, just is always making the right play at the right time. You know, he, he may not yep. be the flashiest dude, but he was just, he, he was just very reliable. Um, and, you know, he was getting older, but, I just think there were some dumb moves uh, on the Sharks end, you know, such as giving Evander Kane seven million, obviously yeah. giving, you know, Eric Carlson his what was it eleven point five. I mean, they're they're spending a lot of money. I feel like in silly ways when they could have really used that veteran leadership, and you know, they still don't have a their goalie situation figured out. And yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, the flip side of it too, is they paying Kane seven million a year. Pavelski's making the same in Dallas. Granted, he's your captain, but he's also seven years older than Evander Kane. But I mean, just, I mean, looking at the playoffs, really, I mean, Kane was good there for a bit, but then when it mattered most, he just sort of disappeared. Um, so, I mean, you lose that captain, you know, that guy in the locker room, the guy that's sort of leading you. And um, he was the guy that, that got that that hit that caused that major against the Knights. Right. 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 And then they had yeah. that whole story about, you know, do it for, you know, Pavs, like do it for Pavs. And then, you know, he made such a big statement by, you know, coming back, even exactly. having all those staples in his head and that big injury. And before that, he took a puck to the face and he was still playing. I mean. And he was putting up points and he was just an entity like he I mean, the guy's a great, a great hockey player. He's a great dude. Um, and I think that that's a great pickup for the stars. I mean, he is a little older. Uh, Corey Perry's a little older. And as I said, they're they're both seasoned. You know, Corey Perry is definitely more of a question mark than Pavelski is, in my opinion. But maybe a change of scenery is what both those guys need. Uh, we saw last postseason the stars are a team a force to be reckoned with. Uh, they're definitely, yeah. especially with Bishop and net, you know, 
hands down one of the best goaltenders in the league today. And, you know, they're they're definitely improved as a team. That's for damn sure. Yeah, hard to, hard to argue against that. I mean, I think there's, I mean, there's been about just in the last, what, 15 you know, or, you know, last hour is about 15 more people that have been signed. I mean, only a really couple that have been noteworthy here, but I mean, we probably have, I would say at this point, four or five other people that, to really talk about. Um, Zuccarello sort of, probably is a good, a good leeway, right? Because he, obviously yeah. Dallas. that's one there. Yeah. I mean, it's traded to Dallas breaks his arm, comes back just for the playoffs has a side. I mean, he played well. I mean, he just didn't, I, I don't think he produced as much as he should have, but I mean, he played well. I mean, you can't say he didn't, it wasn't for lack of effort, but yeah, he leaves the stars heads up to Minnesota um, where they, for whatever reason, love to dish out really big contracts to aging veterans. <laughs> um, five years at 6 million to a guy that's 31 years old. I mean, he's, he's a guy that when he was with the Rangers, I mean, I don't ever remember a thing or, you know, hear anything about people not liking the guy. It's only great things to say about him, but just makes you wonder a guy sort of that small and, you know, getting up there in age, you know, how much he's going to actually be able to produce here. I think he actually turns 32 before the season actually starts. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a solid signing. I would definitely say in the short term, but I would say maybe three or four years down the line, they might be looking to, you know, have someone take on a salary or, you know, potentially buy him out. Who knows? We'll see. But right. Right. Um, so what else we got? I know uh, we, we haven't talked about the blues at all. So, I mean, it doesn't hurt. Let's kind of dive down that. Let's talk about well, the signing. I, I, I don't want to go that far just because it really hasn't. There, there hasn't been much. Um, there's still a couple. Right. There's still a couple solid ones here. I think we, we can we can kind of go over. Um, I mean, just to touch on it really quick. Obviously, we mentioned earlier Wayne Simmons, that one year deal in New Jersey. Um Solid spot for him. Works well. Uh, again, they're now a pretty impressive team as far as, you know, competing for a wild card spot, I feel like, in their division. Um, or, you know, even maybe get sneak in third. Who knows? We'll see. But um, from there, the Sharks uh, the Sharks also lost. Uh, actually, no, they, the Sharks didn't lose. I'm sorry. The Red Wings, they lost uh, Nyquist. He actually ends up staying or going over to... Uh, the Blue Jackets, four years, five and a half million. Um, kind of an interesting dude because he can sort of play anywhere up front. He's good at center. He's played, you know, winger more recently. Um, actually, no, he was. No, that's right. The uh, Sharks just had him. They uh, he was there for their playoff run. That's yeah, right. he was, he was a trade deadline that they added him for some depth. Uh, yeah, and he, so. he never really did much. So what they uh, what they gave up, I don't remember what they gave up exactly. Uh probably wasn't worth it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And I mean, at this point going to the blue jackets, I mean, they lost Panarin, they lost Bobrovsky. They have to sign somebody. And I mean, this is, he's a solid signing. I mean, he's obviously no Panarin. He'll never come close to that, but I mean, he'll, he'll put up probably 20, 25 goals at least and 50, 60 points. It's not a terrible signing. It's just eh, compared to what you actually lost, I guess. So, right. Right. And I mean, at 4.5 million, I mean, that's, that's a good deal uh, for, yeah for the blue jackets in my opinion i know that the sharks um you were talking about people that they had lost or people that they had signed i know timo meyer uh wound up inking that that deal with the sharks at uh yes six million i think for four years something like that yeah so that's a then that's a good deal for them as well 
Yeah, I mean, buy it. I think he had one more RFA year after this or something, so he bought out another RFA year and a couple of years of free agent of his unrestricted free agency. So yeah, it's a solid deal. I mean, aside from his garbage hand pass that won't ever fly again with the new rule <laughs> changes, which is cool. Um, there's really not a whole lot else to say about him. He's a, he's a solid player. He he plays with all his heart. I mean, he's going to be a good guy for them for years to come. Hard to hard yeah. to argue that. I feel but like the, after this, when we're uh after we catch up on all these signings and trades and there's kind of a little bit of a lull before the season starts, we should probably, probably do an episode breaking down these new rules. Cause I mean, we can do that. <laughs> there's yeah, so no many doubt. new rules that are getting, you know, implemented that it's going to, it, yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a crazy, uh, crazy season next year for sure. No doubt. And then I guess a guy that he was a free agent, but he actually stayed put was uh, like the captain for the Islanders, Anders Lee. Um, I don't know if you saw his tweet. Uh, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, he resigned seven years, seven million. Um, there were some reports out there that some teams were pushing him up to nine million a year, which would be kind of interesting for a guy who only puts up about fifty points a year. Um, but yeah, he stayed to stay there, seven million a year. But then his tweet he put out it was the uh, it was the clip from Wolf of Wall Street where. Uh, Jordan Belford goes up to him. He's about to basically say he's leaving his company. And he goes, I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not and fucking that was, leaving. That was his, uh, that was his basically response. I saw that. Yeah. That, that was gold. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. That was solid. Uh, and then, and then also the interesting thing is since we're on the Islanders, um, Leonard didn't resign with them. Kind of a, odd situation i guess the guy who's nominated for vesna and won the you know perseverance award um for you know overcoming some stuff off the ice leonard signs a one-year deal there in chicago for five million which is odd because they have Corey crawford granted crawford's older had some injury stuff going on but he's also signed for another year so they have 11 million wrapped up in two goaltenders which is kind of a puzzling move especially a guy being 27 why is he only signing a one-year deal after coming off the best season of his life um interesting move there i guess and then the flip side of that is yeah the blackhawks now can kind of go to two guys and it looks like they're going to be in sort of like a 1a 1b type goalie situation i feel like unless they know something about crawford that hasn't come out but then um with Leonard leaving the Islanders going to the Blackhawks. The Islanders, just as we're talking on the podcast, they signed uh, Simon Varlamov for $20 million over four years, $5 million a year. So a little bit of goalie carousels going around. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think from there, the only other noteworthy thing, I mean, it's nothing major, but it's just kind of odd. Um, Mike Smith and Cam Talbot. They Mike Smith last season played for the Flames. Cam Talbot last season played for the Oilers. They literally swapped. Now Mike Smith is playing goaltender for the Oilers. Cam Talbot is now playing goaltender for the Flames. Kind of weird, but it's I guess an interesting maybe throw that rivalry up there. I don't know, but who do you think who do you think won in that scenario? Well, that's the thing. It wasn't even a trade. It was just flat out free agency. Right, um, right. But I mean, obviously, even though it wasn't a trade, they you know they did swap. So like, do what what team benefits more? Uh, I mean, the Oilers really only had that one guy that their stupid GM, Shirelli, whatever his name was, before he got fired, dished out to that Koskinen guy who didn't deserve his contract. So basically, Mike Smith's there is sort of like an insurance policy because he's old. He's like 36, 37, I think. So it's like a one-year deal. And then same thing with Talbot. He really hasn't 
played that great lately, but it sort of pushes, it, it's sort of a similar situation. Think back, um, if you're Blues fans or not, but think back to a similar situation like Jake Allen and Brian Elliott, where they had David Riddick and Cam Talbot, two guys who were good, but it's more to just push the other guy to be better and try and keep up with them type of a scenario, I feel like there. So I feel it's about even. It's just, it's just weird how it ended up, I guess. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Mike Smith is definitely... I feel like uh, he he could he's a little shaky. Uh, Cam, I mean, has yet to really prove himself to be you know a goalie that you're going to be looking after, like looking out for. But it's definitely very interesting with the whole the whole Canadian rivalry thing, like you said. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I mean, I know I mean, that I want I know that I want to talk about a little bit about uh, this. It didn't happen today, obviously, but it happened shortly before. The, uh, the William Carlson contract that Vegas signed that kind of put him in cap hell. Um, I was obviously stoked about that. I think it's a steal for the team signed for just a little under 6 million for eight years with uh, a limited no trade clause. So it's not even like fully no trade. Um, yeah. I think that that that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a steal for that team. I mean, granted he didn't have as good of a season his second year, uh, compared to that 43 goals inaugural season, you know, coming out of the woodwork, kind of swing him if you got him mentality. But he, uh, I mean, I would say for 5.9 million, that's that's a damn good deal. It's solid, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's right, right, sort of where he sh- should be. I mean, if he didn't have that 43 goal season, say that first year, and they put up 20, he'd probably be closer to probably like four and a half. I'd feel like, but yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, for for a top six guy on your team. I mean, that again, at the end of the day, the Blue Jackets basically begged you to take um, its expansion draft. I mean, you can't really complain. That's for damn sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, actually, before we move on, uh, just to touch on things here, just to make sure we're fully up to date since it just happened. Uh, as of like 15 minutes ago, there's another trade between the Leafs and the Avalanche. Um, just reading things here. So the Leafs, the, actually, yeah, the Leafs traded Nazem Kadri, I believe one of their prospects, uh, Callie Rosen, and a third-round pick. Um, in return from the Avalanche, the Leafs are getting V-Man, Tyson Berry, Alex Kerfoot, and a sixth-round pick. So... That's kind of interesting there because I know after dishing out Zaitsev that the Leafs are looking for D, but I didn't expect the Avalanche to just give up Barry basically for for Kadri. Um, that's an interesting move, um, for sure. I, I mean, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it because I guess Kadri is more of like a he's a solid player, but with the the upfront offense that I feel like the uh, the Leafs have, it's kind of like a luxury to have him on their team versus a necessity. Where going to Colorado, he's probably going to have more of a, a top six role. And then I guess the Leafs sort of get a demand that they've sort of been looking for as well. It's just not something I saw happen or probably anyone else for the most part either. It's just very interesting. Absolutely. And I mean, there's still tons of time left in this day. Uh, there's still a handful of uh, free agents out there that I'm sure, like you said, we're going to have to do a two-parter. We're already kind of at this point probably going to have the longest episode that we've had yet yeah. uh so uh you know bear with us on this um you know we'll we'll keep you guys up to date as much as we can um is there anything else that we want to touch base on before we kind of wrap things up i mean i know i kind of cut you off uh if you wanted to you know touch on the blue stuff go for oh, it. yeah 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 i was like geez tommy can we finally talk about the blues because like i know 
I know that a majority of the people that probably listen in on this, uh, you know, are the ones that frequent our Facebook page uh, are all big time blues fans. Obviously we're mainly uh, out of St. Louis. I know uh, earlier today, I won't get into it too much, but I know people are a little sensitive about, you know, the whole Patty Maroon uh, debacle. Um, yep. You know, Jeremy Rutherford saying that he's not going to come back um, that, you know, that's pretty much that ship has sailed. I mean, you know, the fat lady hasn't sang yet. He hasn't left, uh, but there are several teams that are, are looking into him, such as, uh, you know, the flames were one of them, or at least we thought it might be one of them. It might be a troll. Uh, but the most recent one I read about was the the Oilers um, wanting, yeah. to, wanting to kind of bring him back, which I think would be a good fit for them. Uh, he's just going to want, he's going to want big money, man. I mean, he took a, a discount to come play for the, the hometown team to be closer to his family, you know, hometown hero wins a cup, you know, for the first time in 52 years in franchise history. And then, you know, he can leave. And I, I don't think people are going to, are going to scaw at him or, or judge him for going where, you know, the right term and money is. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't see him getting insane money, but, reasonably reasonably i would say you know i mean we, we've seen we, we've talked about there's obviously been a lot of of shit on our on our facebook page about the whole potential pat maroon uh three or five years 15 million um deal that was Which sort of that sounds that does sound crazy i mean that's yeah. a lot of money and a lot of term for a player that agreed to make 1.7 for one year you yeah know, kind exa- of makes you wonder, exactly was that money? Were those contracts coming at him before? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. I don't I don't see him being worth that. But I mean, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I could honestly see that same money that going maybe for three years for for some team that really wants him. But I mean, I don't really see anyone going more than that. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to think that would make sense, especially like Calgary with the people who just did like a similar thing with James Neal and seeing what happened with him. That doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Um, that'd just be an idiotic move by the GM to be like, Oh, we just signed James Neal for an insane contract. He's not producing. Let's sign a similar player to a lesser contract for a longer term and hope the same thing doesn't happen. I, I, that doesn't sound good to me. It's gotta be a shorter term, right, but right. I mean, the, the, the way I sort of see things with him is, I feel like he does want to stay in St. Louis. I feel like Doug Armstrong wants him to stay in St. Louis as well, the GM of the Blues, but you have everyone else you need to worry about as well. You still have to sign Barbashev, Fabry, Sanford, Sunquist, Edmondson, Bennington, and I mean, at that point, is there going to be enough money that he's satisfied to come back on, you know? That's sort of the situation you're at, and... I think priority one is to get our restricted free agents taken care of and then maybe circle back with him. But then I feel like a situation where he sort of has his mind made up, like I'm going to go to this team, but I'm going to hold out as long as I can. And maybe by some miracle, all these RFAs, you know, get sort of situated and sorted out where he can come back. And it's not really that much of a pay cut from what everyone else is offering, but uh, it's a long shot. I feel like at that point, I feel like at some point, some teams are going to be like, okay, we've waited long enough give us an answer now or we're moving on. Right. Right. And like you said, they want to make sure that they can keep as many players, key players, keep the core together. And obviously there's the big question mark with Bennington, you know, what is he going to make? What is that going to happen? I mean, you don't want, you don't want it to go to arbitration. I feel like that's just not 
the route that you want to take with your players in general, especially somebody like Jordan Bennington and how delicate his situation is. But at the same time, you don't want to just throw him all the money in the world, but I'm sure he's, he's the top priority. And I'm I'm sure right now they're trying to figure him out, which is probably why they haven't circled back to offer, you know, maybe Maroon a little bit more money to, to stay put. You know, if, if they didn't have that big question mark, I, in knowing how the blues have been in years past, especially with throwing out, throwing out contracts like mad and just money in term. Uh, yep. I, I old blues, I would have seen Maroon already locked in. Um, yeah. So I'm sure they've offered him something decent, but he's got to do what's best for him. Uh, in the for end, sure. he's going to, he's going to go where he can play the longest. Um, he's already going to be a blues legend in the eyes of everyone here in St. Louis. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure he knows that as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he literally lived the dream, and I mean, he did it as quick as he possibly could. Came home to be close to his family, trying to win a cup for your hometown city that's never won a cup, and you literally do everything you wanted to do. And at this point, yeah, it'd be cool if I came back, but if someone's going to, you know, if the Blues are going to offer me, you know, $2 million over four years versus someone offering me, you know, $9 million over three years from a guy that really, I mean, you know, He's a professional professional hockey player. He's made a good amount of money, but you know, five million dollar difference there is is nothing to sneeze at. You know, right? Absolutely. And I know that they did they did lock in uh, Sammy Blay. That is one signing that they did get done. Um, just one year, uh, eight hundred thousand. Does that Something sound like right? That, that or yeah. eight fifty? Yeah, somewhere around that. Um, and is that the only is that the only contracts that they that they've gotten done? They did a bunch of two-way signings, like one-year two-way deals. I think they did one guy two-year two-way deals, so like they can send him up and down without waivers between the AHL and the NHL. So basically, just just depth signings. But uh, one that actually I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, they signed uh, Derek Pouliot, who basically he won a cup back with the Penguins back in 2016. Granted, I think he literally played like two playoff games that happened to be in the cup final um fun fact me and my my buddy we were actually talking about that i was joking like hey thanks for the cup champion from you know blah 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 when he won with the penguins because he's a penguins fan but i guess he played two games in the cup final but and i guess the qualification to get your name on the cup is either play half the season or play at least one game in the cup final so he played two games in the cup final but his name isn't on the cup they put someone else on there um Oh man. Harsh. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, I'd love to get an answer as to why that is. Um, Cause I guess that was also the weird season where they actually had like three goalies. And um, I think their third goalie at the time, Zatkoff or something like stole game one of the cup final. Cause the other one, everyone else was injured or something or someone got hurt. I don't remember exactly. So like his name had to go on the cup. So they had to remove someone else. And I guess he just ended up being the odd man out. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, he's a solid D guy. I think a lot of people had him like as far as like UFAs out there that were available, like a top 40, top 45 guy, best available, you know, players out there. So it's interesting, solid depth signing, I feel like, for the Blues as far as, you know, if, you know, people like Gunnarsson and Bortuzzo get hurt, being able to call up and, you know, hopefully come in and not have any issues. Right, right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely there's one story that we talked about and we'll keep it short because we don't want to we want to keep trailing off. Like I said, we'll probably do a two parter uh, and come at you guys later this week with another episode to kind of wrap up all the madness that's happened today. My dude, I have a fucking headache. Uh, the, I, my words are fucking being slurred. It's just been wild. Every five seconds, there's a notification on Twitter. Um, 
it's just been a crazy, crazy day. But I do. There is one story that I do want to talk about that I thought was amazing. Uh, and it's uh, the guy. Uh, man, what was his name? I, I wanted to talk about the story. And then obviously I forget his fucking name uh, that got traded when he was like on vacation. Do you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Ryan Hartman. Hartman. That's right. Ryan That's Hartman. Right. Yeah. So the guy literally posts on Twitter a picture of like a lake. You know, and he's like, I'm out, you know, hockey's over for me for a while. I'm, you know, I'm going off the grid. And in that amount of time, he got traded and then released before he even knew that he was traded. And I know well, his mom, well, the, the mom interesting was thing was he didn't get released. They traded him. They had his rights, but they just chose not to give him a qualifying offer to retain his rights. So like, they're just like, uh, no, nah, bye. It was, it was an awkward trade. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And his mom was on Twitter being like, hey, Ryan, like, you know, call me, like, call, contact one of us. So he was, he was really off the grid and he just wound up signing. So he was on a team. What was that? The Flyers. And I think then he, so. and he got traded and uh, no qualifying, qualifying offer happened. And then now he signs uh, to Minnesota for two years at $3.8 million. So totally, yeah. talk about talk about uh, a roller coaster for that guy. You know, he's gone fishing, probably throwing na- throwing back some natter days, you know, perhaps on a boat somewhere uh, comes back to reality, finds out that he's traded, finds out that he's not given an offer and then bam, finds a new home all within yeah. like a week. He had that. He had that joke after he was actually back on Twitter. I don't know if you saw where he was like, "Yeah, me and my agent have actually been in touch via satellite phone during this whole process." I think is a joke, um, but uh, yeah, it's just funny. You literally go out into the wilderness for a week. You're like, "All right, bye. Leave me voicemail," and then you come back and you're like, "Well, uh, okay, I'm not with this team, and this team doesn't want me. So what am I doing with my life?" That's kind of weird. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, is that, uh, man, is that about, I mean, I know we didn't touch base on everything, but it, it feels like we did a pretty well-rounded attempt to at least, right? Yeah. I'd say so. I mean, there's really not a whole lot else that's gone on that's super, super noteworthy. Um, I mean, there's a couple minor things where some veteran guys have gone to other teams and, you know, they're more like really depth or fourth line signings more than anything. Um, but there's really not a whole lot. I feel like we've missed out on at this point. It's, it's hard to fit it all in one, in one single podcast as we've talked about. Yeah. And there's going to be so many changes and we'll, uh, you know, we'll keep you guys updated on what the official home of uh, big rig Pat Maroon is going to be. I'll make sure that (laughs) I'll make sure that I put it in official in all caps, some emojis to let you know that uh, we we know for sure where he's heading. At this point, any news you put out, just promote it on Facebook and Twitter, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that this has been a great episode. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. This is our 10th episode, 10th or 11th, yep. something like that. So uh, we have a lot still to talk about before October. Um, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Fourth Line Goon, uh, and uh, FourthLineGoon.com. Once again, my name is... Uh, Tyler Cash and uh you know we'll we'll catch up with you guys later this week. Yeah, let's do it. Good stuff.